Girl Stop Apologizing is out in the world. You guys, I know, I can't believe it any more than you can, but it's true. This book baby of mine is finally here. So if you have a desire in your heart, but you're worried about what other people will think of you for trying to chase after it, this is the book for you. It is the most tangible, and I hope, motivational advice I've ever written down. And it's available today anywhere books are sold. And if you like it when I talk to you just like this, then you're going to love the audio version. Girl, stop apologizing. Go grab it right now. Do it. One of the questions that we get asked most often is about what to do if you're into personal development and your partner is not. I was that partner. And we made an episode about this that was so popular, it feels like we should rerun it. It was called, What Happens If Your Partner Isn't Into Personal Development? Which is pretty straightforward, since that's what it's actually about. <laughs> so listen into this week's throwback episode. If you're super into change and your boyfriend, husband, girlfriend, wife is struggling with that, this is what you can do. Hi guys, I'm Rachel Hollis. And I'm Dave Hollis. And we're married. For like 14 years. And together for 16. We have kids. Four kids. Which is like a thousand kids. We've also been foster parents to four kids as well. We're running a business together. We do a lot of things. That is a lot of things. <laughs> but we feel like it's possible, we know it's possible, to have an exceptional relationship regardless of the stresses you have in your life. That's why we decided to do a podcast together. It's called Rise Together. So if you want some tips and tricks on how we kind of get through all the things. This is it. Come on down. Here we go. <laughs> Welcome to episode three. Episode three. Here we are. Of the Rise Together podcast. Rise Together. That is what we're calling it these days. We've been really, I think I've been blown away by the response from people already. Oh, it's which so is not, nice. Like, it's not that we're so special. I think it's just, it shows me how many people are craving this intentionality when it comes to their relationships because there's so much that exists for personal growth, which is incredible. Like, I love that it's one of my greatest values, but you, you gotta work on, on your relationship. I, I, I mean, I guess it would be two things. Like one, you have to work on it, but also it shouldn't feel hard all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there is this, this thing, I've noticed this on Instagram, where it seems like every time someone talks about their relationship with something good, they have to temper it with like, but you know, we also have, you know, we're not perfect. We have really hard time. We're, yeah. And I don't know if that's because they want to be authentic or they're nervous what people will say, or if that's just the narrative for romantic relationships is, yeah, I love them, but... It sucks sometimes, too. <laughs> well, I think the thing I've been most surprised by, and I shouldn't have been surprised by it, because I was a man who was not as intentional during times in our relationship, but the thing I think I've been most surprised by are the people who are women saying, I'm so grateful that my husband listened to this with me. Mm. I'm so grateful that he was interested or that he enjoyed it. And so first I want to say to the men who are listening, right on. Yeah, good for like, you. Thanks for being here. But also, 
thanks for pushing back against the counter narrative that would say that men shouldn't have to work on a relationship or, or that it's not cool or, to or yeah. that it's like not macho like I, I've, I've thought a lot about it like you can either live into the lie that society will tell you of how men should show up in relationships or you can have an exceptional one Ooh, but shoot. if you're going to worry about what the guys on in the locker room I, I don't even oh, I, wow. like, when was the last time I went Who's to a locker room out in a locker room if you're going to worry about what the guys in your motorcycle club or the guys that you play you know pick up football with on the weekend or the guys that you do a fantasy league with think of your choosing to put your relationship as a priority and that working on it is something that is important to you, if you let them tell you whether or not you should, I promise you you're not going to have as good a relationship with the person well, you care most let's, about. Well, let's unpack that lie for a second. Hello. Because if you have the kind of friends who would judge you for wanting to work on your relationship, first of all, they're douchebags. I'm sorry, can I say that word? No. They are, though, because I don't know any friend worth having that wouldn't want you to be your best in every area of your life. Every area. They would want you to be a good partner, a good employee, a good father, a good son, a good brother, a good friend. That's what your friends should do for you is lift you up. In, in every way mediocre brings down mediocre yeah. and I think more than anything if you can come to really appreciate this anyone who's gonna hate on your individual development or your development as a couple is insecure, is insecure about yeah. their own failings in sure. the place that they find themselves period it has very little to do with you and also practical here if you do have those friends chances are you're not really talking to them about this stuff anyway like I know our guy friends like, I'm thinking of Chris Ramirez. Right now, if you were like, hey, Chris, buddy, who is in a motorcycle club, yep. who is used to be a bull rider, who is one of the most, like, he's in construction. He's one of the most manly men I know. If right now you called him and you were like, I really just, I need to have, like, a good cry. I need to talk through these hearts. He would be like, I'm on my way. Yeah. What do you want? Like, yeah. either you're not telling them because they're not those kind of guys, or those they are those kind of guys, and they're going to be supportive of you where you're at. Yeah. So um, let that lie go, number one. I, I, but is it that, can we just real quick dig into this? Do you think it's that guys are worried about what other guys will think? Or is it just that this is, you haven't done this kind of work before and so it's uncomfortable? I think it's, there's just a long history of what masculinity has meant. And there have been, there's, there's limits to what men ought to or ought not to do. And that keeps people from thinking that this is an acceptable thing for them to want to lean into. That's, I think that's one. But it's also, what was the question? Oh, do you think that guys are not reaching for personal growth or, or not maybe into the idea of a couples conference or a podcast like this is because they're worried about what other guys will think? Or is it because they just haven't done this work before and so it makes them... You know, we we don't tend to reach for things that we don't like or we haven't done. For me, right? So, like, I think of, uh, like, the, the way that you decided to go first and say so many things and go wash your face about lies that kept you from being a better version of yourself. It's a lie that men who reach for development are broken or that in some way, uh, like, I believed 
at the beginning of you reaching for development, that me needing to reach to be a better version of myself was an indictment on me not being good as I was. Yeah, like if you have to change, if like if I if I want you to ch if I want you to grow, then it somehow means that there's something wrong with you now. That's right, and so I think part of the cultural narrative that exists around men is that men don't cry, men toughen up, men are you know like not able to say I need help when they need help or reach for growth because it in some way implies that they're not good. Yeah, and that's. Ridiculous. Well, it's also kind of crazy because I'm going to assume that most of the guys listening probably admire a lot of the guys that I admire. So I think The Rock is just, awesome. I love him. He's such a hustler. He works so hard. And his, his um, reputation within the industry is the hardest working man in showbiz, yeah. which is crazy because he doesn't have to work hard. Not only that, but physically he pushes himself to the absolute max. He is just killing it. Ed Milet, you know, max out. Like in business, he's killing it. But all these guys I admire, they have these things in common, which is they're working on themselves. And maybe it's just that men who aren't as comfortable with it don't identify that that's what's happening. They see The Rock with his huge muscles or they see Ed Milet with millions and millions of dollars and like living on that beach in Southern California. They see all this success and they're not understanding the amount of work it took to get there. That's what growth is. Yeah, the weird thing is it would never strike anyone as weird to be on a sports team as a man and get in the weight room in the off season and show up to two a days in the summer heat and push yourself through practice so you could show up as a better version of either yourself or a team on a Saturday when the game happens or on a Sunday when the game happens. But for whatever reason, when you start talking about are you challenging yourself to be a better version of yourself personally, there's a disconnect between that kind of analogy of when we were in school or watching even professional athletes. The greatest professional athletes are getting up early and pushing themselves to be a better version of themselves, especially, by the way, as they age through their career. To be competitive and keep your spot, you've got to work harder when you're 35 than when you're 25. And as adults now, as a couple, we have to work harder in our 15th year of being married than we had to work in the first year of being married. There are more things that come our way. And if we don't do the work, you'll fall into bad habits. Mm -hmm. You'll get lackadaisical. You'll just not, you know, you'll, you'll take for granted some of the stuff that, you know, now is a big point of being prideful of how much we love each other, how exceptional our relationship is. But it's because we dedicate and are intentional about doing the dang work. I also think, um, you know, we love that, we love that phrase, the training never stops. So sports is a great analogy here, since we're speaking hopefully to the hearts of some of the guys who are listening who might not be as comfortable with this. It's exactly what you said. It would never be unusual for you if you were an athlete to keep training. It's the same thing with relationships. It's the same thing with, um, with your own personal growth is that you are going to keep reaching for more 
tactics, more tools, more resources, more books, more podcasts, more videos, more whatever to keep filling your mind with possibilities you didn't know about before. So we really wanted to dig into this idea because it's a question that we're getting a ton and it's the topic of today's episode, which is what if we're hearing this from a lot of ladies and we know we have same sex couples listening, but um, if you have a, if you have a member of your partnership who it happens to be a man and he is not as interested in the idea or maybe is more hesitant or is uncomfortable or whatever with the idea of personal growth, the question we're getting all the time is like, man, how do I get my man to change? How do I get my partner to be interested in this? I really want to go to a personal growth conference. I really want him to go with me. He doesn't want to go. Or I really want to work on our relationship. He's not interested. And so we thought we would just talk through some tips today that might be helpful to you guys. I guess the first thing would probably be you know, listen to this episode, <laughs> get him to listen to this episode. I'm always sending Dave podcast episodes to listen to like, Hey man, listen, and yeah. then talk, let's talk about this later. Yeah. But, um, I guess the first thing, and we're probably a little bit of a broken record with this line is if you want to change someone, you got to change yourself. You got to change yourself. Just start focusing on how you can be the best version of you and how in growing you might model the practical benefits of growth. And for anyone who's in a relationship that's you know, worth fighting for, they're gonna see your progress and the curiosity of how you've gone from where you were to where you're at or where you're headed is gonna provoke a different kind of conversation around growth. And the thing I wanna point out here, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna get some annoyed notes, but I think that women tend to do this more than men, is that we change or we want something or we do something and we think that the way that we're gonna get our partner to come along for the ride is to nag them about it, is to harp on them, is to, um, you know, chastise them over and over and over with like, if you would only do this, if you would only get up off the couch, if you would, no, that's not what we're talking about. You change yourself wholeheartedly. You go all in. You work hard. You do the personal growth work on yourself. You get healthy. You feel mentally great. You're working. And you don't say a darn thing to them. You don't talk to them about it. You don't, you know, hey, what if you, you don't do any of that. You just work on yourself. And if it's any kind of person that you're in relationship with, they're going to notice. They're going to be like, man, I mean, this was our story, right? Like, I got really into working on myself, wanted to get super, like, mentally healthy, physically healthy, all the things. And I went to a personal growth conference, and I came home on fire. Fire. And we actually have talked about this a ton. You can go listen to this episode of the Rise podcast. We just did a rerun of it a few weeks ago because it was so popular, where we talked about the season in our life where I had come home on fire, ready to blow the world apart, get up at 5 a.m., and Dave didn't love it uh, at first. I didn't. I didn't love it because I didn't understand it. Yeah, and know? I think a lot of times, if you're into something and someone else isn't, like when you get really into it, whether it's um, what are those people who work out in the like the we were just watching Cross, CrossFit. CrossFit, like people get really into CrossFit or they get really into direct sales. They get really and everyone else who doesn't do it, 
there'll be like these snarky comments like, oh, someone's drinking the Kool-Aid. Oh, someone joined the cult. Someone, And you're like, no, man, I just know what it feels like over here reaching for positivity and trying to have a good day. And you have no idea because you won't even try. So for the first time ever, I came home from this conference and I was like, I know this makes him uncomfortable and I don't care. Yeah, I, it, it's, it's interesting in the edit of the movie, I actually took the line out, but I on stage at Rise said, for the first time, and I was encouraging an audience of 800 women to also heed this advice, Rachel was not looking for my permission mm -hmm. to be a better version of herself. Mm -hmm. And in a, you know, what has historically been, we're less codependent than we were <laughs> at certain points, but you know, there were times where me being disgruntled about her getting up early would have had her to choose to not get up early. Mm -hmm. Like, how crazy that she'd stifle the energy that was coming from the way she was starting her day because of wanting to not make me frustrated about what or, time the alarm was going Yeah, on. or that any of us, and if you're in a codependent relationship, a lot of times you're codependent with each other. It goes both ways. But also the idea, I mean, and this is basically the impetus for the next book, is that you would, that somehow what you want out of life as a person who's growing and changing, that somehow what you want is less important than what they want simply because they're the man and you're the woman. Yeah. Or it could be flipped simply because, you know, you're worried about what they'll think. So you just go about living your life. And here was the kicker. And I think this was the first time. And this is why it stuck. I didn't stop. So a lot of times I'd gone through experiences where I would come home so so on fire. Maybe it's a business conference or whatever. I'd come home and I'd tell Dave all my notes and this was my favorite speaker and I loved it. And he'd be like, oh, and he would listen. It was great. And a few weeks later, you know, that energy has died off. But for the first time ever, I didn't stop. And that's when he went, what's going on over here? Yeah. What is this thing she's done? What is this all about? And that's when you said okay, I want to go. I want to go to a personal growth conference. That's how it happened with us. Yeah. I mean, by the way, it was you without permission, without caring about whether or not it was a frustrating or, you know, putting me out, just kept on the development train. But you also, we also had the hard conversation that, you know, was a good catalyst too, but you found a way to have it in a way that wasn't threatening, that wasn't, um, I mean, it definitely woke me up. Hey, I'm going to keep reaching for growth. And if you don't, we're going to have a harder time connecting. Yeah, go listen to, as, that, listen to that episode. Listen guys. to that episode. Like, but it was, it was as simple as putting it in terms that I could understand that acted as a catalyst for, hey, you know what? I do want to have some of what you're up to, mm -hmm. let's, you know, let's lean into it. I heard, I heard, I was reading, I am reading a book right now on leadership. And one of the lines that I love this week that I read was the only person that can teach someone else how to grow is growing themselves. And I was like, man, that is so real either in work or in a romantic relationship or as a parent, you're only really able to teach someone how to do something that you're doing. And growing, that, that desire for personal growth is not something that ever ends unless you're dead. Yeah. Because you're never going to know all the things. You're never going to learn everything there is to know. For me, I had to find something that felt 
familiar. The, the, the easiest thing for me to jump into, though I wasn't in a habit necessarily at the time, was fitness, was running, was working out, was committing to trying to push myself into the habit of doing something that would have development show up in a space that didn't feel as weird, mm -hmm. didn't feel as taboo, didn't mm -hmm. feel as whatever. And there was something great that came out of the tide in that space of my life rising and ultimately allowing other things that would push me to want development in other spaces to, sh to also show up. Yeah, so, so number one, if you wanna change someone else, change yourself. The second point for me would be, if you're a person who's finding it hard to get started on a road toward reaching for something more for yourself, find something that doesn't feel as big as wholesale changing all things and grab something that you know you can do that's gonna give you a little bit of inertia, a little bit of momentum, a little bit of something that you can build off of. For me, it was fitness. It's really important to say from the outside perspective of Dave's partner, he didn't just get into fitness, he got into fitness and made it a habit. He worked out almost every day, every day of the week, yep. every day, because it was like you needed a habit to create the momentum to help you keep going in other areas. So if you wanna take something like this on, like anytime you wanna create massive change in your life, massive change requires massive action. You can't just go like, oh, I'm going to dip my toe in the water and see how that feels. You got to cannonball. Even if you don't know how to swim, you got to get in the water and figure it out once you get there. But you've got to go every, you know, like whatever it's going to be, it's got to be a new part of your life and a new part of your routine for it to have the kind of lasting effects I think you want it to. Yeah. And I, so I, br I bring up fitness because for me, when I got into that habit and I started to see results, I started to get confidence in the idea of adopting a habit and having it produce results. And so what started then as either running or going to the gym, then expanded to, hey, maybe I should actually go to therapy. Hey, maybe we should actually more actively pursue, and we'll talk about it in a second, going to development conferences. Hey, maybe I should read some books or listen to some podcasts. And um, like having a positive proof point that leaning into and making a habit out of something that was gonna help me develop changed the way my brain thought about reaching for and creating new habits in other spaces. Mm -hmm. So find the thing that's the lowest hanging piece of fruit and do it train yourself consciously and subconsciously that, oh, wow, if I were to commit to this, I can become a better human. And it will change the way you think about reaching for something that's a little less normal, a little less conventional, a little less accepted if you're a man inside of this masculinity space. The third thing I would say is advice that I give pretty often for personal growth. And I think most of the time, personal growth, relationship growth, it's the same thing, just sort of manifests in different ways, which is you become who you surround yourself with. If you are hanging out with other couples who are focused on having an excellent relationship, who are um, doing the work, putting in the hours, who really care deeply for their partner, if you are filling your social media feeds with couples who do the same, who speak kindly about their person, who you can tell really love each other and care about each other, if you're consuming that all around you, that's who you're gonna be. The flip side of that is if you don't have any friends 
or family who set a good example of the kind of relationship you would want to have, you might be in trouble. If you're struggling as a man, you know, as sort of like a alpha macho man, like, hey, I really want to show, you know, deep down inside, you do want to show up for your partner. Deep down inside, you do want a better relationship. If for no other reason than you just want your wife to make out with you more, let's be honest, but you, you know, like it feels weird and you don't have any friends, like all your friends feel the same way. Well, there's a reason why it feels unnatural to you because you have no organic natural examples of it. If you can't just quickly access like great couples in your neighborhood, I always say like, what kind of media are you consuming? Yeah. What are you, you know, are you looking at things that are like making fun of marriage or, you know, oh, my girlfriend this or oh, my boyfriend that? Or are you consuming things where people like talk about their relationship like my wife is my queen or, you know, my husband's my best friend or like what are you consuming? Well, in the personal development space, you are the five people you surround yourself with. I think it applies here in the couple space, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you are the most ambitious couple in your circle, you might need a new circle. If you're the most affectionate couple in your circle, you might need a new circle. If, you know, if your circle, frankly, is all the same, but the, the, the version of who they are isn't the version of what you'd hope your relationship to be. You might need a new circle of couples to hang out with. It's easier, by the way, said than done. It's hard to find great couples that consistently can push you to be a better version of yourself. But I do agree, like what you consume, be it in personal relationships with other couples or with your feed on Instagram or whatever it might be, man, it's it's a huge game changer if you can see something that aspirationally has you thinking, hey, I want that. In business, they call it modeling behavior. So if you want to be um, a great baker, you could start to consume media and books and YouTube by people who are great bakers. You can see how they set up their business. You can follow their marketing tactics. You can model behavior. It's the same thing with relationships. If you know, you know, that couple who've been together twice as long as you have and you're like, man, they're really, that's who I would want to be. It sets an example of, oh, well, look how they go on vacation twice a year, just the two of them. Look how they have a date night every week. Look how they speak to each other. Look how they work through that problem. This is, um, this is an example of who we want to be and how we want to show up. I would start with, are you in community regularly with a couple that is toxic? Ooh, yes. Right? And if you are... It doesn't mean... Could be family members too, not just friends. It doesn't mean jettison, goodbye, throw them overboard. But it does maybe mean that you have to be really mindful of the influence that their toxicity is having in the way that you think about normalizing toxicity and even allowing it to live inside of the relationship that you have. You know, they probably need love. (laughs) So, you know, come alongside them and love on them. But... um, just be conscientious, you know, like th- that, that is something that I think can, um, just by brushing up against it, leave a stain inside of your own relationship. Absolutely. Well, the fourth thing I would say is when I was at the beginning of this wanting to be a better version of myself journey, you know, I was self-conscious, honestly, of some of the times when I was doing things that felt a little less, you know, conventional relative to my not 
always reaching for growth self. So when I did do something that I felt like was me trying to make an effort, Rachel, as my partner's noticing that and affirming it and even at times praising it so that I could get the kind of feedback that would say, hey, you are, I see you, number one. I see you're doing this work and I appreciate that you are doing this work. Um, Reinforce positively instead of calling out like, oh, you said you weren't going to have beer anymore and you're having a beer or something versus like, oh, hey, I noticed that you really, like, you've been putting in the hours on that project, like, good for you for working towards the thing. Like, yeah. reinforcing positivity instead of pointing out the things they do wrong. Yeah, I mean, if... It's also, P.S., how you get a good sex life, same exact way. Well, that's that's for sure. But, I mean, I think it's more like, I just want to speak to, I don't know that this is all men, but I think it may be all men. We also like to hear that, the you know role that we are playing or the work that we are doing or the effort that we're putting in is seen by you our partner and that encouragement goes miles for propelling and maintaining the momentum or the inertia mm -hmm. in any step that we're taking toward being better yeah i would say that so, that's a big um probably a big motivator for you just in life is the family's happiness my happiness that uh, that's probably a guy thing that that really falls on your shoulders in your own mind and so I remember when we were first married we had maybe been married a year maybe less I don't know what it was it was just like a Saturday and it was a nice day and I like went to Target and like got lunch it was the most simple thing but I didn't grow up with that I grew up in some pretty hard stuff and it was so peaceful and just our life was good. We lived in this little townhouse and we could afford to shop at Target. And I just thought life was good. And I looked over at you and I said, like, I'm, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I just want you to know, like, I'm so happy with this life and you've made me so happy. And I, you might've even cried like for weeks. You were just like how much that meant to you. You probably don't even remember it now, I don't. but, um, <laughs> clearly it was as special to you as it was to me, but you were like, I made my wife happy. I don't know. It was just a big deal for you that you felt like, okay, we're doing this right. We're both feeling good. We're feeling, but that I recognize, like, I can't be in partnership by myself. I can't have a good life in partnership all on my own. And so if I'm having a good life, it's because you're working to have one with me. That's good. I think too, and this is, you know, again, could be a little bit individual to me, but when you tell me that you see me doing the work, that propels me one step forward. When I perceive your being critical of me in any way, even if it was not intended to be critical, that sends me 10 steps back. Mm. There, there's a, there's a, it's not the same weight, a positive comment and a negative comment. The positive comment is, you know, is good. The negative comment, man, it's really a thing, especially when I feel like I've gone out and tried to do something that was going to help me grow, but that was a little less comfortable for me over time. Um, well, the important thing in that scenario, too, is this is why communication matters so much, is constantly having to talk through things like that. I think we said this, we either said it on podcast or on live stream, that we had an, a situation a couple weeks ago where I was mindful that Dave hadn't been able to go to the gym. And so I said to him like, hey, 
you, you know, if you want to get to the gym this week or like you should go to the gym, like I'll, you know, I don't even know how I said it, but what I was meaning was, Hey, you haven't gotten to go do this thing. I know is really important to you. Don't worry about me and the kids. I'll figure it out. Just make sure that you're making that time for yourself. And what you heard, we realized later, maybe, was you're not working out, yeah. right? This was in the last podcast. Oh, it was in the last yeah. podcast. Okay. But the point was, we could have left it there. Like, we could have just sort of, oh, he's annoyed. Oh, she's rude. We both have these stories that we're telling ourselves about the situation or our partner right now that we could, they're not that big a deal. We could kind of let them lie. I think that you and I will constantly put ourselves into a, a momentary bit of tension. Oh, yeah. To have a, a life that's mostly free of it. Yeah. So we don't let things fester. We don't walk away. We don't. We're like, wait, what did you, why are you, what's that look on your face? Yeah. Why did your countenance just change? Why is your energy weird? We will ask each other that a lot. What's going on? What's your energy? How often do you ask about my countenance though? I, the word just popped into my head. I feel so holy right now that I just use the word countenance. Oh, man. I wish the thesaurus on my phone could be brought up. Anyway. Anyway. Um, the point is... There's a real value in intentionally choosing to wade into the tension so that you can avoid the tension generally. If there's miscommunication, instead of letting it sit under the surface and fester, talk about it in a way that just takes the poison out of it and doesn't let it become a bigger thing. Yeah. The last thing I would say, number five, for, I'm, I'm gonna assume that it's mostly guys, but maybe I'm wrong. For anybody who's listening, who you're like, oh, this is, I don't know, I don't, well, I'm not sure, I wanna work on it, but I, just get over yourself. Seriously, get over yourself. And that was the end of the no, Rise Together podcast. No, listen, listen. We all have to do things that we don't feel comfortable with. We all have to push ourselves through hard times. What you can go to the gym and lift 250 pounds and, you know, build up your muscles, but you can't do the hard lifting to get your marriage where it should be. Like just because you've never done something before doesn't mean you can't do it in the future. That's a crappy excuse. Also, like just because you haven't seen it in your life, maybe you have parents that didn't have it or you don't have friends that have it, doesn't mean you aren't entitled to and have available to you an exceptional marriage. Why would you be in a relationship? Why? This is for everybody listening. Why in the world would you be in a relationship that wasn't good? Why would you not want your relationship to be great? Why? What's the point? Like just just okay, just adequate, just mediocre. When you, it, it has to be that you don't understand what's possible. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. Because if you know what's possible, if it's like, if you have been vacationing in Milwaukee, I don't know Milwaukee. Nope. Maybe maybe your vacation is fantastic. If you've been vacationing in Milwaukee in the middle of winter. And then all of a sudden you win a seven day paid vacation to stay at the Ritz in Hawaii. Man, you know what the promised land looks like. The, the, the problem is your, your marriage is Milwaukee in winter and you don't even know it yeah. because you've never been to Hawaii. But guess what? You're never going to get to Hawaii if you just don't, if you, if you can't get out of your own way. 
if you just say, like, say to your partner, this makes me uncomfortable. I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm going to need your patience. But yeah, let's work on it. Let's read a book together. Let's let's listen to more podcasts, not just this one. Let's maybe find, hey, maybe I'll find some stuff that I think is cool about relationships and you find some stuff and we'll trade it. Just start there. But the excuse that, you know, it's scary or it's hard or it's this or that, it's just that. It's an excuse. You're a big boy. You are grown up. You got this. Yeah. Um, I just want to say one more thing. I want to say one more thing. Okay. If you're a woman who's listening to this without their spouse, because there are people who are definitely listening, hoping that one day or hoping that they can convince their spouse to listen. If your spouse is in a funk, right? Like you have this appetite for a better relationship. You have this appetite for growth. You have this appetite for all of the things that could be exceptional. And your husband's coming home from work, checking out immediately upon having come home and heading upstairs. Finding a way to understand what the, like you have the symptom, what is the, what's, what's the, the thing that is causing that symptom, right? For me, because I was this person, I'd come home, I checked out, I was going through a big existential, what am I on this planet for, what God do you want to use my talents for kind of season, And it lasted for 18 months. It was not ideal. Rachel and I wading into a conversation that was handled with grace and respect and a legitimate interest of helping me get from where I was to where I feel like I am now and honestly to where we'll be 10 years from now was getting from where we, you know, where I was to where I am and and to ultimately where I will be that was a product of Rachel doing some graceful conversation and investigation into why the funk existed. I think you have to try and kind of get under the hood a little bit when you're in a place where you don't have what you want because your spouse isn't showing up the way you'd hope. But it's a, you know, but but you got to do it in a way that respects that he's got pride that he does probably have a bunch of stuff that over the course of generations have been passed down that say a man's job is and it may not be to emote it may not be to share his feelings it may not be to you know be a certain way but understanding a little bit of how he's feeling and why he's feeling the way that he is in a way that gives him permission to feel that way in a way that says I'm gonna love you no matter like I don't know. You got. Does it make? Am I talking crazy? Uh, no, no, no. That's so good. That's so so good. What my last thing was going to be, going back to the idea of just like get over yourself, is all procrastination is just fear. Yeah. Think about it, guys. Everything that you procrastinate over is rooted in fear. Even like procrastinating going to the gym. Well, it's going to be hard when I get there. It's not going to do anything. That's rooted in fear all procrastination to start working on personal growth, I think is fear of what if I don't stick with it? What if I'm not made this way? What if I'm just not a motivated person? That's what Dave used to say to me. I I just don't think I'm a motivated person. Um, You know, a procrastination to not reach for more in your relationship is like, well, what if I try and work on it? And then 
I'm not made that way, and then she's not going to love me anymore because I, mean, I could be the leader that I want that she wants me to be. The the biggest thing that I held back for was, what if I go and reach for this better version of myself, and she doesn't still think I'm enough or doesn't love me, even though I've put myself out there in a more vulnerable way, saying, "Look, I'm I'm a better, wholer version of me." And that's, again, that is just a lie. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Like, you're in a relationship with someone who loves you, and the idea that they wouldn't love a bigger, fuller, better, grown version of you, that's, that's, that's just a lie. And that's, you know, I think super normal to have that kind of insecurity. It's a weird thing to get to a place where you can confess it or be self-aware enough about it. But once you can, and you reach for it anyway, trust you're going to be in a better relationship for having pushed yourself into that more vulnerable space it's awesome good times. that's what we got guys if you like today's episode i hope that you will do a screenshot of it and put it on instagram hashtag rise together podcast tag me and take and and tag 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 dave tag dave mr dave hollis Olis over it. No, it's just changing from every it's accent. Really it was terrible. terrible. I know. The point is, uh, let us know. Let other people know. We hope that you liked it. And if there's something more that you really want to hear from on this podcast, be sure and send a DM to at letsrise.co. If you're not already following that Instagram, you should be. Uh, but let us know what you'd love to hear about. We hope it was helpful. We hope you're working on the two of you. And... Hey, I give you credit for just being here already. Yeah, that's Honestly, a good point. If, if this you. was a stretch today, then thank you for making it this long. Yeah, thank you. Girl, Stop Apologizing is out in the world. You guys, I know, I can't believe it any more than you can, but it's true. This book baby of mine is finally here. So if you have a desire in your heart, but you're worried about what other people will think of you for trying to chase after it, this is the book for you. It is the most tangible, and I hope, motivational advice I've ever written down. And it's available today anywhere books are sold. And if you like it when I talk to you just like this, then you're going to love the audio version. Girl, stop apologizing. Go grab it right now. Do it.